Hi, I'm Jo Clark, and thanks so much for joining me today. This is the Redefining Midlife podcast, a podcast designed for the 40 plus woman who is determined to challenge society's myths and beliefs around midlife. It's for the woman who is inspired and ready to define midlife her way. Join me each week as I chat to health and wellness experts for up-to-date information on how to live well, as well as some special conversations with incredible everyday women redefining what midlife can look like. Here's to making our next half of life even better than the first. Today, you'll meet the incredible Kirsten Smith. Kirsten lives in Brisbane, Australia with her husband, Scott. She's a mum to two adult children and her Insta-famous rescue dog, Percy. And she's also the founder of award-winning natural skincare brand, Betticut. It's a brand that I can recommend firsthand and you'll be able to find all of the links to Kirsten and her skincare range, Betticut, in the show notes. Now, as you'll soon hear, Kirsten is a firm believer that no matter what comes our way, we should always be looking for the silver linings. For Kirsten, this isn't just a throwaway, feel-good line. Because regardless of what she's had to face in the last few years, looking for those silver linings has become a way of thinking, living and being. And during our chat, Kirsten speaks openly and candidly about the year her world would be forever changed. In 2015, she began to lose her eyesight and she was diagnosed with a rare condition, IIH, which is short for idiopathic intracranial hypertension. Now, this is a rare condition that only affects one in 100,000 women. I don't want to give too much away now, but during our conversation, Kirsten shares how she was diagnosed, the aggressive treatment that was required, and the toll that it had on her body. Now, incredibly, all of this led to the creation of her business, Betticut. It's a classic example of one of Kirsten's silver linings. I'm sure like me, you're going to be inspired and uplifted by this chat today. So without further ado, let's start. Welcome, Kirsten, to the Redefining Midlife podcast. It's lovely to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Kirsten, we'll start the conversation with regards to what life was like for younger Kirsten. So if you can tell us about your late teens and early 20s, what did you imagine your future was going to be like then? Uh, well, growing up, my dream was to become a teacher. That's all I ever wanted to be. And so that's what I became. I went to uni in my 20s and studied early childhood and became an early childhood teacher and just honestly lived a very, in quotation marks, normal suburban life. I met my husband during my uni years. We got married. We had two kids. I was just living, yeah, a normal everyday life, working on my career, raising a family. That was sort of my 20s and 30s, really, and pretty much what I wanted from a young age. Yeah, right. So you were living, basically, she said, living the dream. I think so. I mean, it, it's a hard dream to balance it all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just felt like it was just a very normal, happy suburban life. Mm. And did you always teach in Brisbane? Because I'm also a teacher, so we've got that in common. So was your teaching career always in the uh, larger centre or did you do some more remote travelling? 
No, it was always in Brisbane. I grew up in New Zealand, but we moved here when I was 15. So I did the last couple of years of school here and then went to uni here and then um, actually got my first job as director of a childcare centre. So I worked in childcare for a couple of years and then moved to a couple of kindies and then a private school. So always in the Brisbane area. Yeah, gotcha. And did you ever want to move with that or because your family, you established your family and no doubt your home in Brisbane, you wanted to stay there? Yeah, I always wanted to stay. We moved a lot as a kid, so it was just important for me to stay put. And then when I had my own children, I didn't want to move them around as much as I did as a kid. Yes. And so how long were you teaching for and and what made you change and shift away from that area? So all up, I taught for about 15 years and I absolutely loved it and I still actually miss it. But when my own children became school age, I just found it really hard to balance being a mum and being a teacher and I was spending more time with other people's children than my own my husband was traveling a lot at the time for work so it was very difficult and we just got to the point where I tried part-time work for a while as well but just the balance just wasn't there so it got to the point I think my youngest was about three and we just decided that we'd um, see how we would go with me just being a full-time mum for a few years. Yeah and so that that worked well obviously. Yeah, it did. I mean, it comes with its challenges financially and that kind of thing, but it just was the right move for us at the time. And, you know, I think when you put yourself in certain situations, you just make it work. Yeah. Do you often look back in those years? Because I know I do. And I go, how on earth did I manage to fit everything in? Yes. You just sometimes wonder how it all happened. Yes. It's a bit of a blur and a whirlwind. Mm. And like our kids are now... 21 and almost 18 so it was a long time ago now but I look back at it and I'm like wow as women we're pretty amazing aren't we we can actually do more than we give ourselves credit for the days are packed from the moment you wake up you're on a schedule when you've got yes it happens when you don't have children as well but more so when you've got children I've only got two as well and mine are just slightly older than your children mine are my children are 23 and 21 and you know, when I was working full time, it was, and we didn't live in a town, we lived out of town. So it was quickly, quickly getting ready. And before school, you're there much earlier because you have to prepare the day for everybody else's children. And now, you know, the poor kids were going from pillar to post. It was, it was a lot, lot. And then you've got everything in the weekends, all of the filling, all of the events that you have to fill in. And then all of the work that you've got after school. It's, it's big. So I can see why you would have chosen that path and what led you down because, um, I'm sure you've, you, as you've discovered, teaching is an all or nothing profession. You've got to give it your all. And yeah, <laughs> and you, you, don't, you don't feel right as a yes. teacher if you can't give your all. That is absolutely true. Yes, you've nailed it. Yeah. And your youngest has now left school. Is that right? Yes, she just graduated. So she's off to uni herself next year. She's actually going to the same uni I went to. So that's that's a nice full circle moment. Yeah. Brilliant. Is she chosen her what she would like to study yet yes she's doing a bachelor of music so she wants to be a songwriter so that's her goal very creative isn't that fabulous yeah yeah well done to her so you decided to become a fashion and lifestyle blogger I'm assuming is that when you were at home Kirsten or was that earlier okay tell us about that yes Well, that sort of happened a bit by accident. Um, I actually became a little bit bored being at home. Um, I know it sounds silly because that's what we wanted for our family, but I don't know. I just, I sort of was a bit bored and needed a 
creative outlet. So I just started writing, started a blog. I didn't tell anyone about it. I just sort of wrote for me. And I would, at the time, because the kids were little, I'd write sort of funny random stories about things that, you know, they'd done. And I also loved planning party, birthday parties. So I'd share a lot of that kind of thing. And the first birthday party I shared was our daughter's birthday. And it went viral. It got picked up by a big US website. It went viral. And so I sort of, it, the blog just then kind of grew that way. Um, and this was a long time ago, probably a good 10 years ago when um, it was quite easy on social media to get things to blow up. Now it's virtually impossible. And it was never a strategy of mine. It all just happened by accident. And so then I, would, I entered into the very early years of blogging where brands were just starting to work with people. And I eventually began working with brands and helping um, promote their products through the blog. And that sort of morphed into becoming a fashion and lifestyle blogger. Wow. And, and your own website for that? Or do you submit pieces for the, the brands that you're working for? I don't know how it works. Not. I had my own website, so my own blog, it's kirstenandco.com. It's still there floating around on the internet, but I haven't written on it for a couple of years. But yeah, I just would write, I sort of worked with a wide range of um, brands and I would go to blogging conferences and they would all say, niche down, you know, get a niche, get niche right down. And I just always struggled with that because it was just, I was writing about my life. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a random mish mishmash of everything because I just thought, how do you niche down your life? I just sort of shared everything I was interested in and everything I thought other people would be interested in too. So definitely covered a wide range of um, topics and fashion and lifestyle sort of the overarching theme I guess right and so that that side of your your life or, or the business at that point in time is that still something that you're doing um, with a lot of promotion I do so I have an Instagram I have two Instagram accounts the first one is Kirsten and Co and I started that when Instagram first started and so yes I do still work with some brands but I've just sort of um life is quite hectic so I don't do as much of that as I used to but on my Kirsten and Co Insta is where you'll see like all the fashion and beauty and that kind of thing come through and I just share I continue to share like my real life stories now but actually on stories rather than writing it on a blog so it's a little bit easier now everything is just so straight away so instant rather than back in the blogging days it would take you a couple of hours to write a blog post mm -hmm and then push it out on social media. Now it's just in 30 seconds, you can tell people what you're thinking. And what do you prefer? Having, having experienced um, both, what, what's your preference? I, I mean, you've just got to evolve with it. So back in the day, I loved writing. I loved the creative process. It taught me so much about myself. I didn't know that I could write, mm -hmm. even though I used to teach children to read and write. I didn't know that I could actually write like that, write myself. So that's been a really lovely hobby, I guess. And back in the early days, it really was more of a hobby than it was a business. And it was a great creative outlet. But now I love the instant connection that's evolved over time. And it's I like to just keep things real and you sort of have control over how people, um, how you can get your story out there, which I love as well. Mm. It's interesting because I'm only very new to all of this, this side of things as well. But the connections that you can start making with people are pretty special. Have you had people who were with you from the very beginning when you first started to now? Is, have you noticed that or a completely different audience altogether? No, I absolutely have. And it blows my mind. And I, I've become friends with people on the internet, you oh. know. And it's, um, I, as I've 
gone through a lot of different things over the years, I find I've had more support from people that I've never actually met than people in my life that know me really well. So it's a beautiful community if it's all used in the right way. Mm. You know, you can nurture a really lovely community of like-minded women that we all just sort of look out for each other. Yeah, I've found that as well. I'm sure there is a, and you hear about the horrible dark side of and the nastiness, but thankfully, touch wood, I haven't experienced any of that yet and it's been nothing but support that I've received. So like you, it's it's pretty special. Mm. And then to go on that journey with you, and as you said, some support that you've had during some of the harder times, which we'll talk about now and, and with your permission. So Kirsten has very gratefully accepted that we can chat about this part of, of her life. So Kirsten, in 2015, life changed dramatically for you. Uh, could you share with the listeners what happened during that time? Sure. So I started having a really random health things happen to me, just things that would just make me think that's not something's not quite right here. So it started off, I was, I've always been a very headachey sort of a person, but I was getting migraines constantly. Um, my balance was off. I would sort of, when I got out of the car, I would, I would topple a bit. Mm. Um, when I was getting dressed in the morning, particularly down my left side, I would sort of struggle to stay upright. And we kind of made a joke, you know, my husband would go, oh, you know, have you been on the vodkas at 6am again? Just silly, you know, because we're yeah. just being ridiculous. And I was like, and at first I was like, oh, yeah, this is a bit weird. But then it got to the point where um, I had facial numbness all down the left side of my face, just would randomly come and go. I couldn't feel my face. And then um, it got to a point where wherever I would stand up, I started losing my eyesight in my left eye. So that happened three times. My I stood up, I would stand up and all vision would go on my left eye. It's completely black. And it would stay like that for not very long, just a few seconds. But when you're waiting for your eyesight to come back, a few seconds just feels like eternity. So individually, none of those things were particularly massive until my eyesight started to go. I was losing my eyesight, basically. And the first time it happened, I was like, that's a bit weird. And then it happened the second time. And then the third time I was like, okay, something's not right. I've got to go do something about this. So I went to my GP and got a referral to an ophthalmologist, an eye specialist, and he just did a pretty standard eye checkup because I I was short so I am short sighted, but I had laser corrective surgery about twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. So and they said at the time eventually that will wear off, and you might need it again. So I just thought it's that it's wearing off and something weird's going on. Um, I wasn't too concerned, and then right at the end of the appointment he said I'll just look at the back of your eyes and he looked at the back of my eyes and he said oh you need to sit down and I thought it's never good when they tell you to sit down Mm -hmm. and um and he said you've got really swollen optic nerves it's something we don't see very often um it's either uh MS a brain tumor or this condition called idiopathic intracranial hypertension IIH for short and so I'd obviously knew what the first two were and I didn't know what that third one was. And I said to him, what is that? And then he said to me, well, have you um, gained a lot of weight recently? And I was like, that is so rude. Like, no, <laughs> why are you asking me that question? Like rude, no, no man, no, nobody should ever ask a woman male. about their yeah. weight, right? <laughs> and so I just said, and I have always struggled with my weight. I was significantly heavier then than I am now, about 25 kilos heavier. 
And I just said to him, I was quite proud of myself. I said, well, I've actually lost a few kilos. And he said, oh, well, IIH is something that we see in typically overweight women. We don't know what the connection is, but um, you need an MRI and a lumbar puncture urgently to confirm your diagnosis. Oh, wow. So, Were you by, were you by I, yourself at this, this consult? Well, my husband wasn't actually with me because they said, bring someone with you in case we have to put the oh, dye in your eyes. Yeah, yeah. So he was out waiting in the waiting room and obviously had no, no idea. And we, we went into this not overly concerned. And so mm-hmm. the ophthalmologist said to me, I, I need to run some more tests on you. Go and wait in the waiting room and I'll call you back in. So I walked out and my husband was just he was like playing a game on his phone or something. And he barely even looked up because we weren't worried. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and I went, I just, he said, how'd you go? And I said, well, they... They said the word brain tumor and he's like looking at me like what? And I said, an MS. And I said, and something, something that fat people get. <laughs> and, he, and he said, bless him. He looked at me and he said, well, you obviously don't have the last one. Oh, damn. These are I know. He actually <laughs> is. And I said to him, well, I'm kind of hoping that's what it is because it sounds like the best of a really bad lot. Mm. So Long story short, I had a lumbar puncture, which they do that to measure the fluid in your body. So I I, I have IIH. The diagnosis was confirmed after the lumbar and MRI. So when they do the lumbar puncture, they actually drain the excess fluid that's in your body. And they said to me at the time, a, a normal reading that's hot, the highest 15 and yours is 32. Oh. So I had more than twice as much fluid in my body than I should have and that is what causes it so all of that excess fluid sits around your brain and has nowhere to go so it puts pressure on your optic nerves my eyes were actually starting to kind of there's a technical term for it but they were starting to sort of like pop out of my head a bit because the pressure was so intense um and so yeah that's my life just changed dramatically because we were now if it's left untreated you lose your eyesight forever there's no coming back from it. So is is it something that's an ongoing condition that you need to monitor and be aware of? Or is it because you've had treatment now you're cured or in a long-term remission? What, what's, what is it like? It's always lurking there in the background. And you do have to, like, I'll know when the symptoms come back. Mm. And so it's something I will always have, but I've got it under control now. It took me five years to get to this point. And I'm off all my medication now. But if any of those symptoms come back, then, yeah, it's just straight back to the ophthalmologist for a, for mm. another checkup. What a terrifying time for you. Yeah, it wasn't great, not going to lie. <laughs> it was, um... Oh, you'd be it picking was... yourself up the floor and trying to dust yourself off, wouldn't you? Like, yeah, very much Wouldn't so. you, I'm asking you. Yes, wouldn't you, Kirsten? You'd be doing that. <laughs> wow. And so yeah. what was the treatment? What did you have to to go so, tre- treatment was the worst part of it all because the IIH even though I had symptoms I wasn't sick with it so mm-hmm. I just looked like me you know and I I wasn't unwell and so I had to see a every six weeks for three or four years I saw a neurologist an ophthalmologist and an endocrinologist and together we all worked to get this into remission so the neurologist was the one who put me on all the medication and he's in the first meeting I said I had with him he said to me um this will be the worst medication you'll ever be on in your entire life. Oh. It's something that it's called Diamox. And he explained to me, they give it quite often to people who have altitude sickness. And he said, they'll he'll give them like half a tablet and it just knocks them flat. 
and he said, you're going to be on eight tablets a day. You're going to have to set alarms on your phone to take them every three hours and it will just turn you into a zombie. You will not be able to function. So this was on a Friday. He said, have one last good weekend of oh. being yourself and then get ready. So, and I said to him at the time, how long will this, how long will I have to be on this? And he said, look, probably six months. So I was like, I can do six months. I can do this. I've got this. Um, and it took me five years. So it was, yeah, it, it was an awful, awful time in our life. It changed our life forever. Well, not forever, but at the time, because I, when I took those first round of tablets, he wasn't kidding. It was, I just slept all day. I felt nauseous constantly. I had to have weekly blood tests to make sure my liver and kidney weren't closed, shutting down basically. Um, and life just changed for, for that period of time. We joke now that 2015 was year of the couch because that's where I lived. I just lived on the couch and just all I could do was take the kids to school, come home, sleep, take, wake up when my alarms were set for more medication, go back, do the school run, come home, sleep. That was it. Wow. What a hideous time for you. Yeah, it was really, really bad. And I, I, you know, at the time you just get through it the best way you know how, but I look back now and I'm like, I just, this is incredible that we got through that the way we did. Yes. Did you have anyone help care for you? Because obviously, I mean, you needed some care as well, or were you still busy holding the fort for everybody else like a lot of mums do? Yeah, I, I, we didn't have a lot of support. Um, I think something that I've learned through all of this is when you're faced with something life, for me, it's, I sort of say it's life altering mm. um, because, you know, you do have to learn to deal with big life changes. But we, I think a lot of us, particularly I'm 49 now, and in our 40s, I feel like as women, we, we're often faced with something quite life altering, whether it's a medical thing or maybe a, a marriage breakdown or even just the loss of a friendship. And I think I say to people now, people in your life, when you go through something big, they either step up or they step away. And it really taught me who, who was in my life for myself and my family. And, um, you know, a lot of people stepped away. It was just too much for them. They just, and I didn't understand what I had either. You know, it was something no one had really ever heard of. One in a hundred thousand women are diagnosed with this in Australia every year. So it's very rare. Oh, gosh, Not many of us with it. And so it was hard to explain to people. And then I was so sick that I just didn't have the energy to explain what was wrong. And so I kind of just withdrew from life. And the blog was actually my outlet. So I would, I actually gave myself a little goal to write every day for that first year on the blog because it was just something that kept my brain going. Yeah. And so I started just sharing my story on the blog and that gained a lot of traction as well. People became very invested in, mm. are you going to be okay type scenario. So that sort of comes back to when I said earlier, I've had yeah. so much love and support from the online community. And so that really helped me get through a really hard time. Oh, how brilliant you had that that support, even though you couldn't see them physically, you knew that, you know, <laughs> the emotional yeah. side of things and the energy side of things would have been been helpful for you as well. Yes. That's right. That's mm. right. It's sad, isn't it? Um, when, when things like that happen, when, when, you, when you have true tests of, of certain friendships of people that you think are going to be there for you and then aren't, it's, it, it, is, it is something that can be quite shocking and you've got to process through. So you would have been dealing with your illness, making sure you're okay, the family's okay, and then dealing with all of that as well. 
tough time. Very much so. And tough I mean, time. I was the life up until up until when I was sick. I was the life of the party. I was the one that you know was the popping the champagne bottles and slicing the cake, and yeah. you know we, we. And then all of that stopped. I I mean, I had weight to lose. I was told that weight loss could speed up the process of getting better. Yes. So I had a lot of weight to lose, and I just I had no energy. I had no appetite all because of the medication I was on. So I really changed as a person mm. and I became, I just would tell everyone I'm really boring now. And I was, and I just wasn't well enough to go anywhere or socialize with anyone. So mm. over time, you know, some friendships and relationships with family, other family members just kind of fell by the wayside because mm. I just wasn't the person that I used to be. Mm. Mm. Well, and it is, I suppose, with any any change or shifts in relationships, it's uh, it's not always you it might be how people are dealing with the a new version of you and that's exactly they have to deal with but you do take it personally it's not <laughs> and I know that that would have been a lot of processing for you and you're saying you had to lose weight how hard that must have been for you because you had no energy you couldn't move like you wanted to to help you lose the weight and and stay yep. stay healthy that way either yeah challenging yeah problem. I mean about the only benefit to all the medication was that it really affected my appetite. So that's, you know, I, I say I'm a big believer in silver linings. And so it, it was hideous to be so sick, but the lack of appetite and the constant nausea definitely helped with the weight loss. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you can see the, the laugh now, but it must've been incredibly yeah. different, difficult for yeah. you. So can you tell us a story around how your business was created? Because that was in part due to your illness and, that in itself is another incredible story. So you had that, you had your, your illness, you had some pretty awful symptoms, which, you know, I'll let you explain now what had happened. Sure. So um, one of the side effects from being on all that medication was it really, um, it dehydrates you because it's basically to try and get rid of all the excess fluid that's in your body. And I've always been a beauty and skincare junkie. I've really loved that. But I also, when I was really sick, had just had no energy to, put into looking after myself that the only thing that I would do every night is just do a really nice skincare regime that was just sort of five or ten minutes just for myself and I've always used face oils my skin has always loved them and one night I was using a face oil my husband is a um, product formulator and blender that's his career if you will and but in the in a completely different industry in the chemical industry and he would often look at my beauty products and say oh, I've got that ingredient at work we've got that one I could probably make that and I was putting this face oil on one night when I was really unwell and it had a really strong smell it was making me feel a bit unwell it was a weird color and I just said to him could you make me a face oil that doesn't stink like this one does <laughs> and he was like sure and I I mean, he's had this job for 20 plus years. I've never once asked him to do make anything. It just had never clicked. And mm. so I don't know why I just asked him and I just said, could you make me a face oil? And he goes, well, I can make you an natural one if you like. And I was like, that would be great because I was putting so much into my body mm. to get better. I thought I really need to look after myself on the outside. So let's do a all natural face oil. So he made me one and... He actually made three different blends. On the third blend, I was like, you've nailed it. This is amazing. It's hydrating. It's sinking in. It's not greasy. I love it. So I just started using it. This was never meant to be a product developed for a business. It was just for me. And as I said, I had you know, a bit of a following on the blog and on social media as well. And over time, and probably a good three to six months, 
people just started messaging saying, you're looking better. Your skin's looking really nice. What are you using on your skin? And I'd just say, oh, it's just a product Scott made for me. And then it wasn't until I was actually in a store and a complete stranger came up to me and said, I hope you don't mind me asking, what do you use on your skin? It's glowing. And I said, well, it's a, it's a face oil that my husband made for me. And she said, could he make me a whole vat of it? And could I dip my head in it? <laughs> and that made me laugh. And because laughter is my go-to, that's just, you know, I like to make people laugh. I like to tell funny stories. And she just cracked me up in what was a very dark time in my mm. life. The laughter was not really very prominent. And it was at that moment I thought, oh, my God, I think we've made something that could help other women. So I went home and I said to her, well, he probably could actually. I'd never thought about that. So I went home and I just said to Scott, I think you might have made something here where I, like this people are asking me what the product is. Can we make it? And he, I think for the first time, this was about two years into my illness, and he said yes. And I look back now and I've had this conversation with him. He, he really just said yes because he could see a spark in me that hadn't been there for a very long time. And mm -hmm. he, I think, thought this would be a great distraction for you. Um, and, and so he agreed, knowing that I probably wasn't well enough to take any of this on. But it was, a, he was right, it was a great distraction. And so we just launched into, well, I sort of did everything. I built the website, um, sourced all the bottles, and we launched and two faces. And went straight into it as I always it. do like nothing's going to stop me I'm like let's just go for it um but I honestly thought this will just be a little hobby this will just be because I was still going to six weekly appointments so I was still getting bad news at every appointment like my, my mind headspace was not overly great mm. I wasn't in a great place but this was something that I could think about other than medical type scenarios so sort of to give you the condensed version from that, having that conversation, it was about six months later and we launched and we had just such amazing support from the online community and we sold 200 bottles in like 48 hours. Wow. We sold out, we ran, ran out of boxes, we ran out of everything. We just were overwhelmed for every order that was, that I was packing, two more were coming in. It was crazy. So that's, how it started completely by accident and now five years later we've grown from two products to I think we've got about 10 different products now. That's fabulous and the name again another great story is the naming of your product so I'd love you to tell everybody about that as well so it's called Bedicut so if you could explain where that name comes from. So here's another twist we actually launched with a completely different name and I had no idea at the time about trademarks and we went to trademark two of our face oils. And that's when we discovered that the name of our business could actually be implicated down like trademark wise. Uh -huh. So we had to change the name when we were about 18 months in, which was very stressful. And we sought the advice of an IP lawyer and he said, you have to come up with a word that doesn't exist. That's the only way you'll get anything trademarked because everything to do with skin and skincare is gone, basically, yeah. it's taken. So he said, just come up with a word. Okay, well, um, my grandma's name is Betty, and she was a very strong influence in my life. I think a lot of us have amazing relationships with our grandparents. It's just different to your own parents because the love there is just so different, and there's no rules or boundaries with your grandparents. You know, they'll love you no matter what you do in your life. Mm -hmm. And grandma and I were very, very close, and I thought I'd love to get her name in there somewhere. I just and she sort of also represents our customer. So I actually googled 
Betty, like the meaning of Betty. And up came this Urban Dictionary, um, you know, 2020 version of what a Betty is. And it was, you know, she's a triple threat. She's a go-getter. She's strong. She's, and I was like, that's our customer. That's, that's who we're selling to. And as women, that's who we all want to be and who most of us actually are. So I was like, I need to get her name in there somewhere. And so I just was in bed one night, just running through words and putting Betty in front of it. And then I was like, etiquette, betiquette. And then because at the time I would handwrite, I don't now because the business has grown a bit too much to do this, but the time I would handwrite thank you notes in every order and the etiquette of looking after your customer was really important to me. And I was like, betiquette, this just makes so much sense to me. And so we lodged it and we got approved and then Betiquette was launched. So a bit of a tribute to my grandma, but also keeping our customers in mind. Yes. And it's a word that didn't exist. So what year was this happening? So 2015 you were diagnosed and then... Yeah. We launched in 2017. So this was about halfway through 2018, but we didn't do the whole rebranding until 2019 because the IP process takes so long oh, okay. it took it took about nearly a year to get approved it's a long long time and I didn't say anything during that year in case it didn't get approved and we had to go back to square one and start mm-hmm. again yes but then when we launched the new name the support again was just so overwhelming everybody was like oh this is I love it and it yeah it it's probably been again another silver lining if we'd stuck to the original name I just don't think it would have been as great as this new name is yes and you stock uh in not only from a warehouse situation for yourself you've got your website do do you uh, sell your products anywhere else we do have a couple of stockers we've got some here in salons and boutiques in Brisbane and we have some online shops that stock our products and we've just um got our first stockist in New Zealand funnily enough in Christchurch where I grew up and ah. um, I, I actually went and visited her um, a couple of months ago so that was a bit of a full circle moment because she's in a beautiful boutique in a suburb in Christchurch called Merivale and um, people know Christchurch so I know Merivale's a beautiful beautiful place to be so that was a full circle moment oh, congratulations sure. that's an incredible story and incredible to how you're growing it and given that you've also had those COVID years trying to do all of this in the middle of probably sourcing your ingredients um sourcing the packaging um I can imagine it wouldn't have been an easy time no it wasn't although COVID was good to us because self-care was such a thing you Uh know when we're all in lockdown yeah so COVID was good to us and now it's a little bit trickier now that we're all back out in the real world and spending our money on different things but this is just my life now who would have ever thought that I'd be having conversations about sales and wholesalers and how amazing yeah it's crazy oh you you never know and that's a bit that's the best part of life isn't it that it's always a mystery you never know what's around the corner for you with your products um some of them have won Australian awards now so yes, it's not as have. though you are just, you know, you, your, your husband obviously is onto something because the products are beautiful and I, and I have used some of them myself. In fact, um, I've got, got your uh, body oil and the night oil mm-hmm. as well for my face. Beautiful. So did you ever imagine that Vedicut would be as successful as it is today? So tell us about the awards and also did you dream of the success that it would be having? 
Um, right, so Lemon Drop is our hand, nail and cuticle oil and that has won best product for hands and nails, which just blows my mind because I always joke, I'm not a sporty person, so I've never won a trophy in my life. <laughs> I, I don't have any sort of certificates or anything like that. Um, and so when it won an award, I was like, this is just so great. I just, but, you know, I still don't have a trophy. You just now, because everything's digital, you get a little <laughs> digital badge. So that side of things is a bit disappointing. But, um, you know, I never dreamt. I mean, honestly, as I said earlier, we just, I launched this purely as a hobby and it just grew mm. much quicker than we anticipated. And I never thought, we launched with two face oils. I never thought we'd have body oils and hand oils and hair. And I just, yeah, I just never thought that this would be the way out of such a terrible illness, to be honest with you. Oh, it is amazing. So there's your silver lining there, isn't it? In that it's it's created something for you, a business for you. Is your husband, is he still doing what he used to do or is he full now? Yes. Time? Oh, so no, he's doing he, both. Yeah, yeah. He's a very busy man. So he wow. has his full-time job and then, yeah. So, and he still develops all the products for me. I just say to him, this is what I'd like and can you make this? And, you know, together we come up, we do research and development and come up with new products. But um yeah, so it's keeping us both really busy. Mm, and do you have a somewhere where you put? I, I don't know the terminology, so you're going to have to help me. <laughs> have to help me here. No, that's okay. So you would have been first initially at home where you he was making and blending some of these. Yeah. Things. Where do you do yeah. that all now? Do yeah, you... so he's got a got a little lab that he works out of, okay. and then all of our products. I used to pack all the orders myself, um, but that just took so uh, it was just taking up all day long. So we now have a three PL third party logistics warehouse, and that's been a total game changer oh, for our things. business. Yeah, yeah, so all of the all of the orders go through them, which is great. And I still see all the orders coming in, and um, you know, I still now five years later get excited when I see names that are from the very first. Mm -hmm. I know who ordered on the first day, and you know, I've still I see the names. I'm like, oh gosh, they're still ordering. That's amazing, you know. So it's mm. still got that nice small family feel about it for sure. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. And what are your dreams then for the? Because things have happened so quickly. Have you have you had time to think? Oh, I'd really love to send my business. And, and, and see it expand even further because you've gone into New Zealand now. Yeah, thanks for sharing that news because that's exciting. Are you hoping more of that sort of thing to happen? It's an interesting question because now that I'm actually completely in remission, like I'm at peak health now, touch wood, oh, I've got to touch wood because, yeah. Um, <laughs> Touching it for it, you. Actually, yeah, in the last probably six months, I have really been reassessing what I want to do with the rest of my life, basically, because mm. our kids are, you know, our kids are now, adults and it's just kind of the two of us um, our daughter still lives at home but um, she'll be off to uni next year and so initially I had really big goals for the business and wanted it to be stopped in all sorts of different places but now I'm just like I don't know if I want that level of stress in my life I actually am more focused on keeping it small and keeping it just how it is now that's manageable I don't particularly want to spend my 50s, 60s and 70s managing a huge team of staff and all the stress that comes with that. So we've sort of made a conscious decision to keep it small so that we've got time to be together outside of the business as a couple. Yeah. And so travel is a really big goal for us. Um, and just having a bit of fun because I feel like in the last five to seven years, we haven't had a lot of fun. Mm. Um, and 
I think COVID probably helped with that too because it's made it so normal now for everybody to work at home. There's, you know, not businesses aren't scaling up like they used to. Yes. It's more about staying the same or even scaling back a bit and just really putting yourself first. So that is actually probably my dream and goal. Well, that's that's great because I was going to say, well, what's what's something that you would love to do in the next 10 to 20 years? So obviously travel, you mentioned that. And just yeah. having fun. So what, what do you see, like where do you want to go and what sort of fun things do you want to start adding to your life? Well, we've booked a big trip for next year, which is a bucket list for me because I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit queen obsessed. Well, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm, so we're going to Buckingham Palace, <laughs> not going to the palace, just to the yeah. gates. Yeah. You know, they're not going to let me in. But um, yeah, so yeah, we're, doing, we're going to London next year, which will be amazing. And then I, I'm not really sure. We're just kind of, taking it as it as it comes I think I'm a massive planner I think that's the teacher in us is that mm. we love to be mm. organized and rigid mm. and I'm kind of just taking that pressure off myself a bit now and just relaxing and easing into life a bit more love so it. it's more like you know if we see some sort of great deal travel deal come up we might go there we'll yes. just wait and see oh, what comes up yeah that's fabulous and I think sometimes well not sometimes I know we're talking to talking to my friends who have had uh, big wake-up calls, you know, some really life-changing things happening, that's the approach to take because life is yes. too short. You know, you could, as you said, yep. you could spend all that time obsessing about getting into this market and getting into that market and you just miss so much otherwise. And, yeah, I'm glad you've said that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's different, aren't they? Oh, they, are, they are, they are, but that's, it is important to keep that in mind. Yeah, and that approach might change, but for now that's the approach exactly. I'm, I'm going to take. Yeah. Good on you. I'm here. I'm really pleased to hear that. So what's your biggest positive that you've had since entering this time of life? Because, you know, we're now middle of life. So what are you seeing as a big takeaway and positive? Well, a big positive, we've actually just downsized our house. So we ah. sold our house and we've downsized into something significantly smaller. And that was a deliberate move. And from there, we I've just got so much more time now. Yeah. And the mental load is has lifted because, you know, when you're in those school years, you're just thinking constantly about, okay, where do they need to be next? What thing have they got on? What parent-teacher conference do I need to be at? And even my daughter only graduated two weeks ago, but already I can see the mental load has gone. And so now I'm kind of thinking, I've got all this time that I can dedicate to myself now for the first time in my entire life. Um, and I know I've had conversations online with other women about this. I think it's a thing that we all go through and a big evaluation of what do we want to do. Um, so time is definitely a great positive. And um, I just need to work out now what to actually do with that time. Yeah, I know. And, and for some women, it is incredibly confronting and scary. For others, they see yes. it as a huge adventure. And then there's all the people in between. So it, yes. and you can you can slide from one to the other fairly quickly yes as well yes it is it's I think that's time. me I'm I'm definitely singing in between wow this is amazing to oh my god this is so overwhelming life's changing yeah. as I know it yes but you can be anything that you want to be and do anything that you want to do there's there's so many new things that are open and that that's exciting I think I'm a glass half, I'm a glass half full person so that's probably why I see it as being exciting yes yeah I see it the same way now, you're, you were mentioning before that you're in remission and you're feeling great. So what sort of things are you doing to support your health and wellness to keep you in, in your peak condition? So that's changed a lot for me because I um, used to be a self-confessed exercise avoider 
and I just really don't enjoy exercise at all. I just do it because I have to. Uh, but a couple of years ago, we got a rescue dog, Percy, and he's a beautiful golden retriever and he's he needs a walk every gorgeous. day. Yep. He is. He's a, he's a bit Insta famous. Everybody loves Percy <laughs> on Instagram. Um, but he's just such a beautiful dog and he needs a walk every day. So that got me moving again, which yep. is great. And I really am, I really now commit to doing some sort of physical exercise for 30 to 40 minutes a day. Nothing, you know, back in the old days, I used to just go hard at everything, all or nothing. And that I would never last with anything. And now I've realized as I've got older and I've got better, it's, it's nicer to just do something gentle that is looking after your mind and your body. Yep. So, yeah, I'm definitely um, more focused on being sort of a healthier version of me, which people who followed me right from the start quite often will send messages saying, who even are you? Because, I mean, <laughs> I, did, I used person? to... Yeah, I mean, I used to have a phone cover that had some slogan on it, like, eat cake for breakfast or something. <laughs> like, I, you know... And I used to joke that I was allergic to exercise because it made me sweat and, you know, yeah. so I've definitely changed a lot. But I think as you get older, you realise that you've got to do what you can to be the healthiest version of you and not worry about what anyone else is doing. Just do what works for you. Mm-hmm. And managing stress would have to be fairly important as well. So that those sort of forms of exercise are great because they do keep yep. stress levels down naturally lower. What else might yes. you do to reduce stress in your life? Is there anything that you've got practice that you do or is there something that you're aiming to do in the future? I just, I think I've just become a lot calmer as a human being and a lot, um, I think age does that to you as well. So I, I used to get very sort of wound up if things weren't going completely perfect and now I've this is all this illness has taught me, like, just be grateful to be here and done is better than perfect. Mm. So I'm a lot calmer just in my life approach to things. Not that I was particularly, you know, not not wound up as such, but I just, I, sometimes I liken myself to a duck, you know, I look very calm on the outside, but inside my legs are just going at a yeah. minute, you know, my insides are going like a duck underwater. Um, and I'm not really like that anymore. I just try to focus on, just being in the now and not worrying too much about things that may or may not happen. Mm. Um, and I find that really helps. But don't get me wrong, I still have days where I'm just internally a bit of an anxious mess. Oh, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> we know we have to have those times. That, that's that's a given, isn't it, that all of us will have those yeah. days. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And does that, any hormonal shifts and things, will that affect your your illness? Can that Can that cause something? Not, not that I'm aware of, um, no, but yeah, I'm 49. So obviously I'm entering into all those fabulous changes now. Mm. Um, and I think that's also really, my my products really help there because obviously they're for dry skin. And when I launched the business, I had no idea at the time so many women suffer from dry skin. Mm. And now with hormonal changes and everything, um, it's also really changed the way that I market things and that kind of thing because yes. I feel like, those of us sort of 45 and over we're just a lost market we're just yeah great we're, we're very knowledgeable about what we want and we've mm. got a bit of excess money to spend as we get a bit older mm. and I just so I don't I don't take that whole anti-aging approach I'm very pro-aging pro being proud of how old you are and just embracing who you are as a person yes yeah, that's good. Um, I love that message as well and that's probably why I'm attracted to to your products because that's exactly what what they offer. 
Yeah, I just, I don't like it when we're targeted as it to get rid of our fine lines. And no. I'm like, what's wrong with having fine, those lines? fine lines? A, I don't want anything to take them. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I, I've actually, you know, I've pulled my, my, two, my two lines in between here, my, my children. <laughs> I know. I love it. <laughs> and I earned that badge. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Because if you could give a 40, the 40 plus woman some advice, what would you say to her? Well, this is actually a conversation I've had with a lot of friends, girlfriends over the years. And my my main advice would be that if you're going through something that just feels like there's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, eventually the fog does lift. Yeah. And I liken it to when, if you're really unwell with, say, the flu, and you just think, oh, I'm never going to be able to get out of bed. And then eventually one day you can get out of bed and you don't even realise that you've got better. Mm. And I think that for any life, as I said earlier, life-altering situation, eventually that fog lifts. And one day you just realise, ah, I'm actually okay. And I've come out the other side of this better than I was when I entered it. Yeah. And it's very hard to understand that at the time. My husband would have really, when I was really sick, he would have very long sort of life coachy chats with me like you can do this you can get through it and I didn't want to hear it I just yeah. wanted to wallow and just be like no this is horrible it, this is not how I wanted my 40s to be but now I come out through the other side and I'm like actually life's better now and I'm a different person because yeah. of this and so that's my advice eventually the fog lifts and there's always a silver lining there is it's mm. so it can be really hard to see it at the time but it will come to you eventually. There's got to be good in every bad. There just has to be. Yes, that's exactly right. I I love that that message. That's really important message because it's it's something that we probably don't hear enough, and everything is doom and gloom. But I can tell you, like I'm I'm almost in my mid fifties now, and I'm bloody loving this decade. And given what life experiences you've had, and how you're viewing, you know, the the future, you're going to have an incredible decade ahead. I really hope so. I'm you so will. ready to just close the book on my 40s, that's for sure. <laughs> Mate, look out with your 50s. Your husband better, yep. your husband better yeah, strap himself in and gird his loins because he's in for a big ride on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him you said that. <laughs> How can people connect with you, Kirsten? Because I, I, you know, obviously once they hear this, this episode, they're going to be wanting to find more about your products. Yep, so Betterkit, B-E-T-T-Y-Q-U-E-T-T-E. That's the biggest thing is no one knows how to spell it. Yes. But it's betterkit.com.au um, and we're also on Instagram at Betterkit and then you can find my personal account um, on Instagram at Kirsten and Co. Fantastic. Also on Facebook as well. Great. And I'll have all of those links in the episode notes as well, the show notes, so people can have the direct links to that as well. And before we wrap up, there's one question I love to ask my guests. So if you could look into the future, what do you hope that 80-year-old Kirsten is going to say about current day Kirsten? Oh, that's hitting me in the feels. That's mm. getting me all thinking about when I'm 80. Mm. I hope that I hope that she thinks she's lived a good, happy kind-hearted life that's probably it I think that's what life for me comes down to just being a good happy kind person mm, that's lovely well you're Thanks. certainly a shining light now Kirsten so I dare say that she's going to say those words let's hope <laughs> I hope I'm not a grumpy old 80 year old I hope I'm a happy, uh, happy as long as she old. was nice now that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, thanks so much for your time today. Thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Such a lovely chat. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome.
Thanks so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. I'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app to keep spreading these empowering messages. Please share this podcast with other incredible midlife women in your world. Join me again next week for another redefining midlife conversation. Thanks again for tuning in.